Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fourth and final episode of our Inside the Industry podcast titled The Finale. My name is Justine Havalu, and I am a music industry studies major here at Cal Poly Pomona. Cal Poly Pomona's music department is more than a music department, it's a community. A community that wants to uplift, support, and inspire young music professionals that want to enter the music industry. During my segment, we are going to be talking to two talented individuals, Frankie Nicole, a current student at Cal Poly Pomona, and Dr. Darren Buzz Gravel, a professor in Cal Poly Pomona's music department. We'll be getting to know Dr. Gravel a little later in our show, but first and foremost, I want to introduce to you the absolutely wonderful and wickedly talented Frankie Nicole. Frankie is a student currently majoring in music industry studies at Cal Poly Pomona. She is a force to be reckoned with with her multi-talented capabilities in the world of vocal and instrumental performance. She has already released plenty of music that can be heard on various streaming platforms such as Spotify and SoundCloud. Her songs fluctuate between indie rock and dreamy synth beats, replicating that of an 80s synth pop sound. On June 22, 2021, she released her first single out of two called Rot, in which she recorded and produced the entire song on her own. Please, everyone, give a warm welcome to Frankie Nicole. Hey! So, Frankie, take us back to the earliest moments of your life where music played a significant role. Probably in, I think, the second grade, second or third grade, I started taking drum lessons at my little private Catholic elementary school. I was the only girl in the class, and it was a really good time. And I just remember just enjoying making music and playing music and surrounding myself with other like, like-minded children, I guess. <laughs> I was gonna say like individuals, but no, we were all kids. <laughs> Um, and I really enjoyed it, and I liked to perform, so I, pl- I feel like drum lessons were like a significant role in me really loving music later on in life. So it seems like your love of music dawned at an early age with first your love of drumming, and then I know you as a guitarist and a vocalist. So that's amazing. See, you are just a triple threat. Now, I want to redirect the conversation. I'd love to know the creative process behind Rot. Can you tell us about that? Well, the creative process um, essentially started in my little home studio in my backyard. I love to just create like beats on my computer with my little MIDI controller. Um, and so that's where Rot really started was... I, was, I opened up this website called Band Lab, and it's just a free DAW that mus- any musician can really use. And it's been really helpful for when I just kind of want to express whatever creative like energy I got going on um, without having to like think too much because sometimes certain DAWs like Ableton or Pro Tools can kind of be a little complicated if you're just starting out using them. So um, with this website, it's really helped me whenever I'm in those creating moods to just, 
get on it and make beats whenever I feel like it. And so I was in one of those moods and just kind of started with a simple like drum beat. And then I added on guitar from there and a bunch of other effects after that with a a few more tracks, um, including synth because I love synths. So I have to put in like every single song I write ever. And that's just where the process that's how the process started was getting on that website, making a beat, and just adding whatever I wanted to it. That synth sound, though, is what gives Frankie Nicole her signature. I love that synth sound. So that process of laying the beats down, then the chords, then the vocals, lyrics, etc., whatever comes next, do you always use that practice? Is it common to how you write songs? Or would you say that it differs based upon the song? Yes, actually, that's exactly how I kind of do things when it comes to writing music. I start with instrumentals and then... I listen to that instrumental literally over and over again until I dry, it drives myself crazy. And then I will think of a melody at some point eventually. <laughs> and from there, um, then I'll think about lyrics. So it goes like instruments, melody, and then lyrics. When I've asked other musicians about their creative process, normally it's more common to hear that they write the lyrics first, then the melody, then etc., whatever comes next. But hearing your process is almost backwards. But in a way, I find that more interesting because to me, it seems like you're letting the beat speak to you. You're letting the song speak to you and then you're going to write the lyrics that you hear, the message that it's telling you, you'll write it down. Frankie, do you hope to perform Rot live one day? Or have you already performed it? I performed um, at the Daw Center in Pomona for a live stream, and I played Rot, actually. It was the first time I ever played any original music ever, and it was, like, so exciting. It was, um, there was no live audience. It was just a live stream, so it was just me and a couple other artists that were also going to join the live stream, But it was cool because, yeah, I never did something like that. Usually I would play like covers or I did like musical theater in high school. So any kind of performing was always somebody else's work. So I got the opportunity to play my work and that was neat. But I definitely do want to perform more in the future. That's kind of my goal that I got going on right now. Um, I'm still in school in college at the Cal Poly Pomona, and we need to do a senior project. I have this big idea of wanting to do a live show, like a concert, like a little mini concert as my senior project, where I play a lot of original music and a couple of covers that have like inspired me along my journey throughout college. So I am super excited just thinking about that, yeah. What a fun senior project and also something for us to look forward to. Frankie, take us back to that moment of when you found out that Cal Poly Pomona accepted you into their music department. I was relieved because no other college wanted to accept me. So I was like, yes, I'm going to college. (laughs) I was like, yes, mom and dad, I know. Um... So that was the first thought in my head was like, thank God. Um, And then the second thought in my head 
once everything, <laughs> other thoughts in my head cleared out, I was happy that I finally like got to start my music journey. And because in middle school, I always just thought, man, I want to start a band and like with all my friends and just play shows and everything and do all that cool stuff. But being in private Catholic school, we didn't have jack squat. Okay. We had really no music programs like ever. So I couldn't really, I didn't have the community to really get started on what I wanted to do when I got older and getting accepted to Cal Poly. It seemed just like, Oh, finally, like I have a lead. Like I can finally surround myself with other musicians. And I think that'll be super cool. So I was really excited about finally seeing a future in music for me because it was foggy for a little bit. That is so funny. I just can't imagine, though, you being in anything else other than music. This is your destiny. This is your calling. And I'm so, so happy that you got accepted into the program. In regards to music, what do you hope to accomplish before you graduate? I would love to be a better producer. I think I've been improving over time since I started coming to Cal Poly. And by the time I graduate, which should be maybe... um, Spring 23, fingers crossed. So by the time I graduate, yeah, I would really love to be a better producer. I'd love to like improve my voice a bit more because I'm not really classically trained or anything. I kind of just started singing out of the blue and just rolled with it ever since. And so by the time I graduate, I'd love to be, I guess, a bit more polished and organized with how I create my music for sure. And what about after? So I guess what I hope to accomplish after I graduate, it's still very up in the air because for me, I'm definitely one of those people where it's like, I don't know where I'm going to be tomorrow. I don't know where I'm going to be next month, next year. So I don't really think too much about my future because you just never know what could happen. But at the same time, after I graduate, I would love to have maybe a bigger platform with um, from my music. I would love to have more um, like Spotify followers and things like that. And I'd love to be able to have more live shows, maybe have a band to back me up and like we can make music together, have more collaborations. I'd love to just tour, just start doing that, just play more shows around the area and really take my music somewhere else. That would be absolutely wonderful if you could expand your music, take it around the nation, take it around the communities, take it around the globe. That would be an amazing opportunity. You know that I support you. We here at Cal Poly support you and your community supports you. Please let us know if you ever do go on tour or if you ever do have an opportunity of performing. All of us, and I know all of us, would love to go. As we are closing out our segment, could you please give some advice to the upcoming musicians that are here within our department? Maybe some general advice and or maybe some music advice? I would say show up to class. (laughs) Just show up. I know so many friends who are like, they don't show up and then they fall behind and then they get stressed out. And I personally... I honestly can't talk all that much because it's been rough these past couple months and sometimes you kind of get off track a little bit. 
But honestly, your professors, they love you. They want to see you succeed. They're there for you. So I think that even if you have really like rough patches, you can get back into it and you can still do good. And they're, they want to be able to help you like as much as they can. So my advice would be to not only show up, of course, but also to talk to people and try to make friends with like the music students around you. And because you not only do you learn a lot like in class, you learn a lot from friends that you make and the acquaintances that you come across. That's how I've learned a lot about like music and and how to use certain applications and like DAWs and whatnot was from like the friends I've made and who I've like worked with. So I really encourage every music major who's just starting out to put yourself out there and try to make some friends. So that would be my advice college-wise. On a creative standpoint, music-wise, my advice would be to absolutely just make whatever you want like, do not care if, oh, maybe what I'm making is sounding a little weird and might not a lot of people might like what I'm doing. Literally just don't even think about it and just create because that's when your best work will come out is when you're not thinking so much about how other people perceive it. I know there's a lot of music critics out there who will listen to your stuff and think, oh, this is poorly produced or Maybe, oh, that melody sounds really weird or what she did with her voice is really weird. But you never know. What might seem weird to a lot of people now could be trendy tomorrow. And so I think you kind of have to take that leap and take that risk. A lot of great musicians that we know about now, they didn't just kind of sit comfortably in whatever traditional music trend that was happening at the time they branched out and it really worked out for them so I say if you have any sort of ideas in your head absolutely just go for it what wonderful advice to give because I also agree with you I feel like music is a process that you should be thinking outside of the box music has multiple identities multiple layers to it and there isn't just one monolith of music there's all sorts, all sorts of genres, all sorts of subgenres. And how would we have gotten those if it wasn't for someone thinking outside of the box? Frankie, thank you so much for being on our show today. As always, it's an absolute pleasure talking with you. Thank you for being on Inside of the Industry. I want to remind you, CPP fam, to stream Rot on Spotify and SoundCloud and give Frankie a follow on Instagram at Frankie type beat. You heard her song raw in the beginning, and if you loved it, you have to stream. As a matter of fact, I don't mind if you pause this podcast right now and give it a listen. You just have to promise to come back. Well, let's just imagine you paused. Yay, you're back. And if you remained, hi, let's get this show going. Dr. Gravel is coming up next, and I know, I know I've been making you wait, but that's what suspense is all about, right? Okay, Let's go ahead and give his song a listen. Here's Lightness of Being by Dr. Gravel.
wonderful piece. It really takes my breath away. This song is titled Lightness of Being, and it's from Dr. Gravel's album, The Realm of Endless Concepts, which was released in 2019. As we know, 2019 isn't recent, and this isn't his most recently released piece, but it is his number one most listened to song on Spotify, racking up 820,000 listeners and counting. Dr. Gravel, also known as Buzz, is one of our most valuable professors in Cal Poly Pomona's music department. He's our very own modern-day virtuoso with a plethora of knowledge in the realms of guitar, music theory, composing, and more. Anyone that takes one of his courses or has a conversation with him can feel the passion and love he has for music. Dr. Gravel always keeps himself busy, and in June, he, along with internationally acclaimed classical guitarist Mac Gerzik, launched G&G Guitars and became an official reseller of Alta Myra fretless guitars. G&G Guitars offer their customers the ability to custom build their fretless acoustic guitar or purchase a model that's already been made. If you or anyone you know are interested in the world of fretless guitar, go to G&G Guitars website, www.2guitars.com and check out their website for more information. All right, CPP fam, let's jump into it. Everyone, please give a warm welcome to Dr. Buzz Gravel. Hello, I am Buzz Gravel, and I'm glad to be on this podcast. Thank you for being on our podcast. We are so happy to have you. Lightness of being. Let's talk about it. Take us behind the scenes. Tell us about the creative process and how it came to fruition. So this piece of music, Lightness of Being, it has an interesting history, this album of fretless guitar music. It started out actually as Instagram posts. Uh, One of the things that I have somewhat benefited from is actually social media in getting my exposure as a fretless guitarist out because it has such a worldwide reach. So I set a goal for myself essentially to write a new 60 second excerpt every week. And I thought, okay, I can, I can do this. So I did this and was building my following. And after doing, I don't know, 40 or 50 posts, I thought, well, you know what, why don't I take these 60 second segments, or at least some of the ones I thought had the most potential and expand them into full pieces of music. So this is the source of where Lightness of Being came, which was a 60 second post from uh, Instagram as part of my weekly expectation of myself. And then I just expanded it into a a full song and put it on the uh, album. That answer. I was expecting something like I was listening to compositions around the world, and lo and behold, lightness of being was born. Seeing as to how you're a professor with many talents and knowledgeable of many eclectic genres, tell us, Dr. Gravel, when did you release your first CD or single? I released my first piece of music when I was in college. I was part of a guitar quartet, and we gave concerts and we did arrangements and we wrote our own music. So as part of that, we put together a CD, recorded it and released it. This was before basically online. So we worked with different record companies and then we finally decided to self-release it. And it really wasn't a big deal. But it taught me a lot about entrepreneurship, about following through uh, on a project. And it's something I'm still proud about. 
As you should be, how many college students can say that they released a CD with a quartet that they formed? This reminds me of the exact purpose of our podcast, to inspire young college musicians to go out there and release their own music. And it perfectly takes us into our next question. Musically, how important is it to establish one's voice? I would say it is not only important, it is the most important thing to nurture and develop and, dare I say, discover within oneself. And it's not easy. And the reason is so much about music is about learning quantifiable skills to be able to do X, Y, or Z. But for artistry, there's no path of discovery. So it's an inward looking journey. It's a very personal journey. And if done well, it's a journey that speaks with truth to yourself. I feel that a lot of students don't begin that journey early enough. And it's a journey that requires courage because it's a journey that requires you to go, I'm going to do this because this is what I feel. And so it opens you up to judgment. It opens you up to failure. It opens you up to critique. But in the end, what it does is it strengthens your resolve. And that's going to be the most important thing for you to follow through with that voice year after year, project after project. Tell us about your creative process, generally speaking. How does it compare from then to now? So my creative process, well, let me describe it in terms of what I am composing mostly right now, which is music for fretless guitar. Obviously, no lyrics, uh, just instrumental music. Now, I'm going to say something that may seem at odds with what I am, which is a music theory professor, which is I do not use music theory as a primary tool when composing. It is not a hammer. It is something I apply at the end. Part of this is experience. I have learned over the years to trust my intuition. And I listen to my intuitive voice in my head that says, yeah, or nah. And that takes experience. And when we don't have that experience, sometimes we'll rely on, quote unquote, the rules. In the end, I feel that that's cutting oneself off from one's personal voice. So my inspiration, it can be anything to start with. It can be a musical inspiration. It could be, oh, I heard a piece on the radio that I like the mood of. I want to kind of create that mood. It can be a um, non-musical uh, inspiration. Sometimes I've seen a movie. I've seen something where I think, okay, this music could fit for something like that. Sometimes it could be tech very much like, oh, I want to use this chord, uh, and I want to see what I can do with that. So there's no one thing that inspires me, but I do have to say that creativity is like any muscle. You have to use it. You use it or you lose it. So I compose pretty much every day a little bit. And so I'm used to getting into that headspace of listening to my intuition. So when I have something that's good, I immediately know it, but I don't overanalyze it. And I compose quickly, very quickly. So some of those 60-second uh, clips that I'll do uh, on Instagram, those will be in 10 minutes. But I'll end up practicing it maybe for an hour to get it in tune and just right, but the musical content will be fast. Um, and I've learned that sometimes you can throw out the baby with the bathwater by all of a sudden thinking, well, no, let me fix this and let me fix that and let me fix this. And then all of a sudden you've, you've lost the energy because people are listening not only for, okay, what's the harmonic progression? What's the melody? They're listening for what's the vibe? What's the energy? What's the emotion? And sometimes that will get um, covered up especially 
with me, I have a lot of head theoretical knowledge, and it's easy for me to cover up the um, emotive aspects of it. So I try to hold back on that, use it only when necessary, and compose intuitively. That being said, sometimes I'll compose something and later on go back and analyze it and go, oh, that's what I did. But in the moment, I, I, that slows me down. I want to go fast. I want it to be hot. I want it to be a, a mood, a moment, and then be done with. You heard it here first, CPP fam. Our very own music theory professor does not use theory to compose his music. Like he says, he uses his intuition and guidance. Eventually, us being beginning musicians, we'll get there. I have faith in us. Dr. Gravel, tell us about a time that you faced a challenge in music and also tell us how you overcame that challenge. A lot of times you see a, a student see someone like me who's older and who's been doing music for a long time and they think, oh, it probably came easy to him. And that's not the case at all. I come from probably the most unmusical family there is. Nobody in my family plays music. And when I say nobody, I say nobody. We could go to a family reunion of 75 people and not one person plays any instrument. So I did not grow up in a culture of music and my family had an opinion of there are those who can do music and there are those who cannot and we are the cannots. So I had to kind of overcome that I guess coding, it wasn't, you know, implicit. It wasn't like, don't do it. It was like, oh, you're interested in, in doing this? Fine, but, you know, you're, you're a Gravel. We know what Gravels are like. They're not musical. That didn't keep me from being utterly obsessed about it when I was younger and I first was discovering music as a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, and 14-year-old. But I remember I had a friend. Her name was Jen Scuturo, and she came from a musical family, and she had, at the time, the best ears I had ever heard anyone have. She had perfect pitch. One of those people at high school parties, you know, she would be, you know, naming the pitches of the beer bottles as, you know, everyone's blowing into them and everything. And the, the airplane pitches and everything, or you'd sit on a piano and she'd name all the pitches. And it was just so, you know, just effortless. So talk about jealousy. Um, anyway, I remember when I first studied in college, I didn't have a lot of pre-college ear training. I had guitar lessons and whatnot, but I got into college and I did the musicianship classes like everyone else. And I struggled. And I re at that time, we didn't have apps and stuff. We had a computer lab. And um, hearing intervals, hearing chords, I was like, especially with friends who I knew had perfect pitch who could do it and without, uh, without trying. So I said, okay, I'm going to do this. And I sat down and I spent literally an hour a day, every single day, doing interval recognition um, for the first semester. And I stayed with it for the first year. And lo and behold, it works. And I have a very interesting story. I remember being in freshman year in my friend's dorm room and just a bunch of, you know, guys hanging out. And someone brought a fretless bass. And I'd never played a fretless bass before. And I tried it. And I utterly was lost. I thought, what? How does anyone play this? And I never played it again. Now, here's the irony. Of course, I play fretless guitar. So maybe because I struggled with that and I have specific memories of struggling, that it made me buckle down and say, no, I'm going to get this and I'm going to do it. So when I first discovered fretless guitar about 14 years ago, quite by accident, I was fascinated, but uh, obviously a different musician then. I had kind of gone through all my training and everything. And the first thing I was happy about was, oh, I can play this now in tune because I'm not the same guy as I was as that 19-year-old kid in the dorm room who was totally overwhelmed. Now, you know, I'm 
what I was in my 40s, and I can do this, and that's nice progress. But there was still something inside of me who said, no, 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 you can be better. You, and so that early memory of struggling fueled me to be better. Now, this can be done in, you know, it's going to be couched as an inspirational message, but it also can be couched as a kind of obsessive message of, you know, you have to kind of sometimes let these demons go. But um, I sometimes wonder how much that early struggle led me into this direction of wanting to really prove to myself I could take on uh, quite the challenge. Because as you know, with fretless guitar, every note has to be in tune. And so um, instead of running away from the challenge, you could say I've embraced it 100, 110%. Quote, you're a Gravel. You don't do music. End quote. Well, you showed them, huh? When you came home with your doctorate in music in hand. <laughs> now tell us, musically, what are some goals and objectives that you set for yourself? I feel that as someone who's older, the main thing is to continually keep goals um, for oneself. And I speak about this when I teach careers in music, which is you want short-term goals, goals that you can achieve in a few months. You want medium-term goals that maybe are a year or longer. And then you want a long-term goal. So for myself, I have short-term goals. So for example, I mentioned one post a week on Instagram. Um, I have a medium-term goal. I'm working on a new album, which I'd like to get out in you know, a year or so. And then I have what I refer at my age to as legacy goals, which are what do I want to leave behind? And that is, part of that is to help legitimize the artistry of fretless guitar. And that has many facets. That also means, um, besides doing albums, it means creating a pedagogical framework. I'm working on a method, including videos and maybe a, you know, lots of pieces of music and uh, this is going to be a long-term goal. I've also helped with my company uh, to bring um, different models of fretless guitars to the market so that other people can start playing the fretless guitar. So these are all goals that support that long-term. And if you have that um, scaffolding, short-term, medium-term, long-term, and then as you reach the short-term, throw up some new ones. As you reach the medium-term, throw up some new ones, but they should all be supporting what's your legacy goal. Now, if you're younger, you may not have that worked out, but I have years and years and years of goals, so I've worked that out. When you're younger, the main thing I tell people is just have any goal because the, reaching the goal is not the objective. As people have said, it's the journey, not the destination. And what I like to say is you train yourself to be goal-oriented. And if you set goals, you reach them, whatever the outcome was, maybe it was great, maybe it was disappointing, you've at least been active. And then you continually be active and continually be active and you'll get the hang of it. And um, then hopefully uh, you'll achieve some pretty substantial goals uh, that bring the uh, sense of satisfaction that you're looking for in the beginning. Dr. Gravel, always making me think, I never thought of a legacy goal. What an interesting perspective. You see, I've heard of short-term goals or maybe like, where do you see yourself in five-year goals or 10-year goals even? Never a legacy goal. Dr. Gravel, as we are ending our segment, can you give some advice to upperclassmen that are going to be graduating from Cal Poly Pomona? Well, first of all, 
you're going to go through a period of shock simply because um, being in school is a bit of a nurturing cocoon-like environment, which is good. Um, when you get out in out of school, uh, everyone is looking after themselves. So there is just by the very nature less attention given to you. That being said, if you have in place self-confidence, drive motivation goals, and you truly love what you're doing, you will find a way. One of the scary things about music and one of the beautiful opportunities is that there is not one path. And it really does depend on how you look at it. Um, and I encourage people to look at it as a beautiful opportunity to uh, create um, a place for you. What is important though is this, is you really stay connected to what you love about it. When the stresses hit, and they're already hitting, I'm sure everyone, but when they really hit the financial stresses, the time management stresses, the balancing out of all the different things that you need to do, um, you need to find that thing about music that you love and you need to keep that there. Because otherwise, it'll go by the wayside and you'll regret, like, how did you lose it? So you have to treat that as almost a precious thing um, and stay connected with that. And then from that spot, that's where you decide what activities you want to do. If you like to play live and do gigs, do it. It doesn't matter if it's the diviest bar, if you don't make anything, any money, if the value is you love to do it, then that's keeping you there. If you love to teach, teach. If you love to write songs, record them, write songs and record them. It's not about if no one listens to them or if everyone listens to them. You just do it. So for my fretless guitar playing, I tell people that if I woke up tomorrow and no one cared, I would still do the exact same thing because I'm doing it for me because it is strengthening my love of it. I am just then opening it up to other people and very glad that people are appreciative about it. But I am using that as the center of what I am choosing uh, to uh, make my goals around. So you have to find that. You have to define for yourself what is it that you love to do do it and then go out and build from there. That's the only way that is going to buttress the uh, stresses and the worries and the anxieties, which inevitably will come with uh, graduating. Dr. Gravel, you're awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on our podcast, Inside the Industry. We appreciate your words of wisdom, your stories, and your musical knowledge. You can find Dr. Gravel on Facebook as Buzz Gravel, YouTube as Buzz Gravel, or on his artist page at www.buzzgravel.com. You can also find him on Spotify as Buzz Gravel and make sure you give him a follow. And also follow him on Instagram at F-R-E-T underscore buzz at fret underscore buzz. Don't forget, if you or anyone you know is interested in fretless guitars, check out G&G Guitars at www.twoguitars.com for more information. Thank you, Frankie, and thank you, Dr. Gravel, for being on Inside the Industry. 
Thank you everyone for tuning in to my episode, The Finale. I want to end this segment with some wise words that were said by Dr. Gravel in a teacher feature from Elemental Music School. They asked him to provide a piece of advice to their students, whether that be music advice or general, and he said, quote, stick with it. There will be days or weeks where your enthusiasm may lag or you may feel particularly frustrated. That's okay, but this will pass. Your confidence and enthusiasm will return. When those moments hit, just play what you enjoy most and keep going. This is Justine Havelu signing off. Mm-hmm.